Tick-tocking, tick-tocking, where creators come to play. Tick-tocking, tick-tocking, find out what they have to say. Tick-tocking, tick-tocking, fascinating interview. Tick-tocking, tick-tocking, tick-tocking with Kevin Hughes. My guest today is the one and only Coach Scott Pospicle. How are you, sir? Let's go, TikTok. Let's go. <laughs> right? Man, I'm, I'm happy, man. Thank you for letting me be a, a guest here tonight. Oh, it's such an honor to have you on, and I'm so excited for this conversation. It's gonna be it's gonna be so much fun. I can already tell. Well, good. I got stories. I'm old. Here we go. <laughs> So I wanted to start off with if you could tell us kind of, uh, you know, or originally where are you from and how you got into basketball? Well, I mean, you know, when you hear this, the, the story about being in a town of uh, 2,510 born in Boscobel, Wisconsin. Now, what's famous about Boscobel, Wisconsin is the Hotel Boscobel. It's where the Gideon Bible originated and my father was the owner. And oh, so wow. I grew up living in the only three-story building in that small town with no traffic lights, and I loved it. And I cried when I was 11 years old so hard when we left. But I will tell you that I would cry harder if I had to go back. <laughs> and how did you uh, get into basketball? You know, when I was a little kid, um, I'll never forget this. You know, my father came out from behind the bar and he took me into the lobby and he sat me down and he said, I want you to watch this kid right here. He's wearing number 23 with floppy socks. And he played for LSU and they called him Pistol Pete Maravich. And they played Kentucky on that Saturday. And Dan Issel went for 55 and I think Pete went for 63. Wow. And that was the day that Pistol Pop, Scott Pospicle was born to be a basketball player because that's the day that I knew I wanted to be that guy. That's Long amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then, so you played basketball. Did you play other sports as well? You know, as a kid growing up, I think everybody does, you know, baseball, mm -hmm. football, um, whatever the season was, you know, growing up in green Bay, you wanted to be traveling Travis Williams or Bart Starr, And, um, and then you play baseball. And when I was 11 years old, we moved to Florida and again, baseball, football, basketball. Um, I quickly found out I wasn't the best football player. I quickly found out I wasn't the best baseball player, but I was the best basketball player in that town of 8,000 people. And, you know, I, I, I played all of them, but basketball was truly the one that, you know, I was, I was different in the most. Okay. And how tall are you? I'm just curious. I mean, I wish I could tell you I was 6'4", 205, cut out of steel, but that's not the case. <laughs> I'm 5'9 and a half. Um, my, my junior year in college, we played for the national championship, and they announced me at six foot. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lie, but they did. <laughs> you know, they listed me at six foot. But, yeah, 5'9 and a half, 5'10". Okay. Yeah. So what got you from being a player and then going into coaching? You know, I, I think, you know, every kid has a dream of playing professional sports if they're playing sports. You know, they might want to play in Carnegie Hall if they're a musician. But I knew when I was nine years old, I was going to be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Didn't work out. Probably what's best for them. And um, but I just knew that I wanted to play it at the best level I could play because I loved it. I, uh, I never loved math. I never embraced science or English. And it's obvious, you know, as you'll know as I talk along the way, but there was something magical about being on a team and competing that just the friendships you grew from being in battle and winning and in losing, you know. So uh, and when I found out that I wasn't good enough to continue to play, then it was simple for me. I knew I was going to coach. Hell, I like telling people what to do anyway. So it just kind of, I mean, I did when I played, I mean, I would say, you know, Hey, Kevin, get over here. I was always telling people what to do anyway. And so it just became a really, really easy transition from being a player to a coach. 
Okay, and what was the first, uh, what was your starting point? What was your first coaching job? Um, it, it, you know, and, and we'll talk about this later, but, you know, sure. relationships matter and building strong relationships. So every time you get an opportunity to play somewhere with, you know, on a team, when you're coach, someone's coaching you, you always want to do your best. You always want to compete hard. You always want to do your best to win and, and be a good teammate. Well, my college basketball coach's name was Hal Whistle. And to this day, I have what's called a Mount Pospicle. I know like Mount Rushmore, they have four presidents. Well, I have four men that have impacted my life at an elite level that are on Mount Pospicle. And the lady that painted it put a picture of my dad in the clouds looking down on Mount oh, Pospicle. Wow. And Hal Whistle is, was my college basketball coach. He was the one that, that allowed me to go to Florida Southern. And I went from being what he called a suspect to, you know, to, as a practice player, walk on to, I might be a prospect to the starting point guard, to a scholarship point guard, to being uh, the starting point guard on a team that lost in the national championship. Um, and then when he got hired that next year at the university of North Carolina at Charlotte, I had to stay my senior year, but as soon as my senior year ended, he offered me the job as the third assistant, I'm you know 22 years old, and I'm a college Division One assistant coach. Wow, I love him. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, that really is. And so then you go on and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were a big part of the startup with the the Texas Titans. Well, you know there there's a lot of moving parts in between there. Okay, okay. And, you know um, when I go to UNC Charlotte, we're there a couple of years, and we don't do well. So they asked us to leave. Shocking. And, um, you know, being a college coach, they hire you, they fire you. So anyway, I came back to my hometown and I took the high school basketball team there, Auburndale High School. Mm -hmm. They hadn't had a winning season since night. Now, this is 1985. OK, they hadn't had a winning season since 1979, 70, you know, the year I graduated, 78, 79, uh, when I played and they uh the principal called me when I moved back to Auburndale and he said, what are you doing to make money? And he said, what are you thinking about doing? I said, well, I'm going to get back. I want to stay in college coaching. And he said, what are you doing to make money? He goes, do you have any? I said, no, I'm broke. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, if you'll take the job here at the high school, I'll give you a full-time teaching job and uh, a substitute's job. And I said, well, what do I have to teach? He said, well, coach, you're going to have to teach organic chemistry. Yeah. Okay. And I said, Mr. Payne, with all due respect, I don't know anything about organic chemistry. And he said, either did the last guy, but he couldn't coach. He said, so the questions are in the front of the chapter. The answers are in the back for seven weeks. She'll be fine. I became the organic chemistry teacher at Auburndale high school. Oh, wow. now this, this is going to let people really think a lot of me. I would put, coverings up on the window when you walk by so you couldn't look in the class mm -hmm. and it was a chemistry setup so we would take the chairs and turn them upside down and i had two kids that were in shop class and they made balsa wood putters and we took paper and wrapped it up and we made little golf balls out of paper and we played putt putt golf in my class. oh wow uh... yeah now the moral of the story is the following year we lose our second game of the year by 49 points and uh, we make it all the way to the state championship and lose in the championship. Now, they hadn't done that in 30 years. And it took them 30 years after that to win the district championship. So it was kind of a miraculous season. And when that season ended, I got hired the next week at the local junior college. I was 25 years old then. Um, I'm there one year. We lose in the conference championship. I get hired uh, a month after that to go to Palm Beach to be the junior college basketball coach there. Eight years there winning as coach in their history. Um, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, that was my coaching thing, you know. Sure. And then uh, a college president talked to me about, he goes to me, he goes, do you ever consider, do you ever want to make extra money? And of course, I thought he was coming to offer me the job at his college. He, this guy drove five and a half hours, Bill Campion. He was the president of Central Florida Community College. 
He calls me up and he says, it's very important I come to talk to you. And I said, great, when would you like to do that? He said, today. So I'm convinced he's driving five and a half hours one way to offer me the job. Yeah. And so I clean my office up, I'm dressed up. He walks in, he's got a sport coat on and he puts an easel down, puts a flip chart up and he starts doing a flip chart presentation. I'm like, okay. Um, nothing says Scott Pospicle, you're the man on it. Scott Pospicle, <laughs> we want you. There was no sign of that. There was nothing about Central Florida Community College. It was a company called Excel. Never heard of it, never heard of direct sales. And he said, what do you think? And I said, with all due respect, what, do you, what is this? What are you talking about? He yeah. goes, don't you need to make extra money? I said, oh, hell no, I'm fine, which was a lie. I'm a junior college basketball coach, married with a kid. I'm broke. Sure. And um, he said, I'm going to help you do this. And I didn't want to do it. Honest and truly, I didn't. All right. And I remember it just kept going on in my mind thinking, he's a somebody. And he wants to open a door for me. See, a lot of times people don't do things because they don't want to do them, but they don't look at the value of if they do do it, what can come of that? So right. Bill Campion, head number two on Mount Pospicle. Bill Campion introduces me to a company called Excel. I go on, you know, a year and a half later, I walk away from being the basketball coach at Palm Beach Junior College. I make, you know, just under $4 million doing it. And I meet a guy named Kenny Trout. All right, Kenny Trout is number three on Mount Pospicle, okay? Kenny okay. Trout has a company called Excel. I make enough money to get invited to his house. We become really good friends. The company stops, I'm the number 13 all-time income earner. And he picks up the phone one day and calls me up, says, how's it going? And make a long story short, he asked me if I would be interested in moving to Dallas, Texas to coach his sons. Now, he's a billionaire. Oh, wow. He didn't have to ask hard. Okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's not like he had to go, well, you know, I, I didn't ask him to twist my arm. Right. But, you know, it's still, you know, I'm, I'm living in Jupiter, Florida, and it's a, it's a pretty cool life. But um, who, who wouldn't want to learn and be around a guy named Kenny Trout? So yeah, absolutely. the next thing you know, I'm on an airplane. I'll never forget it. On a Sunday morning early, I fly <laughs> from West Palm Beach on American Airlines, one way to Dallas, Texas. I get picked up by Lieutenant Colonel John Guider, who's in charge of, of Kenny's security. He takes me uh, to the house, and then Kenny, myself, and Lisa, we go watch Kenny's oldest son, Preston, play. Okay, Kenny wants to know if they're good enough to play. Preston was definitely good enough to play. He's really good. Smart, okay. really cagey. Then they take me to watch Grant play, who was in the third grade. Now, Grant's playing on a team that at the time is being coached by Jerry Jones' daughter's husband. Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. In the stands that Sunday afternoon are three billionaire families watching either their grandkid or their kids. And I'm like, what the Sam heck is this, right? Yeah. Grant's good enough. We get up the next morning, kids go to school. Kenny and Lisa and I get on his G5, and we fly to Lexington, Kentucky, because he's the owner of Windstar Farms, the number one horse racing farm in, in the country. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Justified won the Triple Crown a few years ago. Kenny and Lisa get off the plane, and they fly me back, two pilots, a flight attendant on a G5 back to West Palm Beach. Hell, I'm feeling like Crockett and Tubbs, baby. Right. I'm oh, like, man. this is unbelievable. I'm going to be the basketball coach of the Texas Titans. And it turned out to be, I don't know if there will ever be anything like that ever again. I mean, here's an example. You have a man that's amazing, mm -hmm. okay, that put together this story, this, like, the way for kids to want to grow up and be better. Um, and he hired me to be the basketball coach. And, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, here I am. I'm coaching a team of third graders and fifth graders making a very healthy six-figure income. 
flying on wow. private jets. Uh, and that's just the beginning of it, Kevin. That's just, I mean, I could, I could go on for days, but I'm going to, I'm sorry. I, I do talk. So I want you to answer, ask questions along the way for sure. Oh, this honestly, yeah. I, you could keep going if you want, but I definitely have questions, but this is so interesting. Like I, I love this. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I guess from there, how, how long did you coach uh, for the Texas Titans? Okay. I was there originally for nine years. Okay. okay. And, you know, when you think, what are the Texas Titans? It's AAU basketball. Mm-hmm. And the term AAU basketball, grassroots basketball, they're going to think, oh, okay, it's like everybody else. We were all full-time employees. I had uh, two full-time assistant coaches, a full-time speed and agility uh, um uh, what do you call the guy? Physical therapist, full-time th- physical therapist. We had a full-time general manager. We flew private everywhere we went. Whether wow. it's to from Dallas to Austin, Texas, we flew private. To College Station, to Houston, Texas, we flew private. We stayed in five-star hotels. But that's, you know, when you look at that, you go, that's that's bizarre. That's amazing. Yeah. What did we get out of this? Well, he wanted to create an environment for his kids as a billionaire dad to where it would make them have to compete and they couldn't be given anything. And so when you look at the Texas Titans, you say, okay, what, what did you do that made you different other than have money? Okay, it's the summertime. We practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. On Tuesday, teams come in. We have two teams. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna start at nine thirty, okay? And we're gonna go from or nine nine o'clock. We're gonna go from nine to ten o'clock with speed and agility. Ten to ten forty-five skills, and then from ten forty-five to a little after twelve, we're gonna have our team practice. This is Tuesday. Okay. After practice is over, we have lunch catered in. On Tuesdays, we bring in speakers. Speakers that are going to talk about faith. We're going to bring in people that are going to teach these kids how to be interviewed, what to say, what not to say, body language. We're going to have people come in and we're going to set up a dining room table and teach the kids what fork to use. What what, what side is your water glass on? You know, how to cut your steak up. I mean, etiquette classes so that these kids can be prepared when they go someplace to go eat dinner, okay? Um, We had people come in and talk about STDs. Scared the hell out of me. I mean, you have no idea, Kevin. Um, And our kids are looking like they're going to run from every girl in the world after that day, right? (laughs) Yeah. Kevin, I'll never, ever, ever, ever. I was just talking to Nick Merrick, who is Kenny Trout's right-hand man. Right. Uh And there was a lady that came in one Tuesday, about six foot tall, beautiful, stunning. Like you see her and you're like, you know, salute. Very, you know, gregarious, outgoing. And we bring the kids over to talk and she's in the front and she looks at everybody. She goes, oh, my God, do I love sex. (laughs) I mean, you look around, the kids are, oh my gosh. She goes, isn't sex amazing? I just love great sex. And the kids, you know, some of them, are, they're trying not to laugh. Some are in shock. They're looking at me and I'm going, and I'm going, you know, I'm thinking, what the hell is this lady talking about? And she goes, when you're married. When you're married. Oh, okay. And then she goes, come here. She has one of the older kids get up. He's probably 15. Mm-hmm takes a piece of tape, wraps it around his arm, and pulls it off. And he's like, oh, my gosh. And then she goes, come here. She brings up somebody else and does the same thing to him. By the time the fourth kid comes up and she pulls it off, there's no pull. It means nothing. And she goes, that's when I'm talking about the importance of sex. Because if you treat it like it means nothing to you, it will never mean anything, and it will ruin relationships. It's something that's sacred between a husband and a wife. Wow. Oh, bro. <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, God, I hope, I wish my daughters could be here to listen to this, right? 
Um, just that is such a uh, that I have never heard it explained like that. You know, Kevin, it 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 really when you think about it, because if you treat it no more differently than going out for a jog, right, or right. riding a bike, you know, there's no value there. There's no appreciation there. And, um, you know, our kids, do they have an, a, an amazing life? And But here's the thing, too. Kevin, if you had a son on our team and you called me up on Tuesday and said, oh, by the way, Coach, listen, we're going out of town this weekend. We're going to go see little Johnny's grandparents. Mm-hmm. I go, well, you guys can go, but Johnny can't. You go say hi to Johnny's grandparents all you want. Johnny stays and goes to practice because on Friday – we're going to fly and go play in the real deal on the rock in Arkansas. You don't control if he comes to practice or if he comes to a game, you're either all in or you're not. If you're all in, that means on Friday, you and your wife and little Johnny meet us at landmark aviation. We drop our bags off when we walk into the terminal area, we say hi to everybody, hug, you know, all that kind of stuff. We walk out on the tarmac and we get on a private jet. Could be the Dallas Mavericks jet. Wow. When we get on the plane, there's going to be food there, wraps, shrimp cocktail, sandwiches, chips. And then before we take off, the flight attendants come and uh, clean up everything. And then we take off and, you know, 25, 30 minutes into the flight, your choice is either steak or chicken. We eat dinner before we land cookies and milk. We land, there's a 54-passenger bus waiting for us. The people unload the plane, put our luggage on the, on the bus. We get on the bus. We go to the hotel. We get there. Colonel Gatter is already there. He has the room keys there. You and your wife have a room key. You give little Junior his own room key that connects to your room. He doesn't share a room with anybody. That way, in case you or your wife snore he'll still get a good night's sleep. Wow. The next morning when we wake up, there'll be a breakfast buffet. We'll get on the bus. We'll go play our games. And if we don't come home for lunch, we'll have lunch brought in. And we'll come back to the hotel. And if we have to go back and play an evening game, like let's say 7.30, we'll have to have dinner at 4.30, 5 o'clock. And, you know, if you play at 7, the game's over at 8, 8.30, you get back to the whole the hotel at 10.30, you know, maybe 10 o'clock, 10.30, and the kids are tired, but they're hungry. They're big kids. Sure. They can, they can order room service. <clears throat> and everything's paid for by Kenny Trout. And this is something that I should always talk about because the first time the Titans traveled, I wasn't with them. This is in the beginning, beginning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not every family is equal financially. And if you have 10 families, think about it. There's there's always that three or four families that can go eat at a nice restaurant. Yes. There's going to be two or three people, rest, families are going to want to go like to a McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And there's always one or two that are going to go to the grocery store, get a loaf of bread, get some sandwich meat, some chips and things like that. And that's how they're going to eat. After that first time Kenny Trout ever traveled, he said he'll never let that happen again. Because everybody is equal on the Titans. We eat at the same table. You know, Julius Randle, who played for the Titans from the fifth grade until he graduated, plays for the New York Knicks today, okay? Oh, wow, okay. Last year, he was the uh, most improved player in the NBA, uh, in an NBA All-Star, second-team All-NBA. I've eaten more dinners with his mother than I've eaten with my next-door neighbors. (laughs) You know, Cade Cunningham, who was the first pick in the NBA draft this past year, um... You know, I was Cade's coach, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Um, You know, we just had a certain way to do things. And um, it's, you know, when you you watch a kid grow up from the third grade on, from the fifth grade on, it is a tremendous bond and it has a coaching staff. What everybody needed to understand is that we all needed to focus and do our jobs. Our jobs weren't the, Kenny Trout was the most important person. He's the owner of the Texas Titans. And we all, we all realize that if we would just do our job, okay, 
that it's such an amazing job, you want to keep it. The pay is incredible. We're all full-time employees, benefits, bizarre. Okay. Um, I, I tell everybody I used to make just, just for December, I would have, I would make a hundred thousand dollars every December. I would have my take home pay, which was after taxes, which was 22 grand. That's after taxes. Every month I would make $22,000 as the coach of the Titans. Wow. And then he gave me a $20,000 gift and I, I got a $60,000 bonus. That's amazing. I'm like making $400,000 a year being a youth basketball coach. Yeah. But, and, yeah. Well, and I was going to say that's, that that's incredible because, you know, when you're a pro coach or even college coach, mm -hmm. you're coaching teams that are already players that are already established. They know the game, mm -hmm. but to be able to take these younger kids and have to teach them the game and coach them and make that kind of money. That's unheard of. And that's incredible because yeah. you were their first step, you know, well, you were their first. Think, think about this, Matt Jones, who I always said this about Matt, that I, I have triplet daughters that are 25 now. And I always said, I would, I would be the luckiest man I know if one of my daughters married Matt Jones. Now Matt Jones, when he graduated from high school, left the Titans, graduated from DeSoto high school, went and played at Duke. For four mm -hmm. years, team captain, his junior and senior year, his sophomore year, they win the national championship. Matt Jones. Um, Matt Jones is like my son. You know, Julius Randle, elite level stuff. DJ Hogue, Tyler Davis, Grant Trout, Matthew Merrick, Soso Jamaba went on and played football at UCLA. Uh, Tyrone uh, Swoops, instead of playing Basketball went and played quarterback at Texas. Um, you know, it's just we were so blessed to have so many great kids. But, you know, here's what we did. We, we, we skill trained them. We, we, we taught them speed and agility. So let's say you're not the best athlete, but mm -hmm. you're really skilled. Well, if we don't make you the best possible athlete at your age where you are now, you realistically could get left behind. So what we did is we, we taught speed and agility. We taught skills. We played basketball. We taught responsibility. We did devotionals with our kids. Um, our parents were not allowed to cheer against the other team. They weren't allowed to yell at the referees. We cheered for our team. If you were a parent that got involved and wanted to tell me what to do, you, you, you got one chance to where we, you and I would have a talk and I'd say, Kevin, listen, I get it. I understand. Um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll all get better. Um, let's see what we can do for little Johnny, you know? Yeah. And if you, you know, I, I would tell our parents how to complain without complaining. So let's say you didn't think Johnny's getting enough shots and, you know, things like that. I would tell you, this is what I'd say to you. Come to me. And say, Coach, listen, man, I really appreciate it. We love being a part of the Titans organization. Man, our kids really learning a lot. We're learning a lot. We just love Mr. Trout's gratitude and graciousness and all those things. Um, what is it that we can do to help little Johnny away from the Titans on our time so that he, that he can better help the team become a better team? You, If you come to me and complain like that, I got it. I know what you're doing. I got it. You're being squeaky, but you're not being rude. Mm -hmm. You know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You're doing it in a very professional manner. So I'm going to say, you know what, Kevin, I got you. Uh, let me think about it. Let me give you a few things to do. So now I go back and I go, what can I do to help little Johnny? What can I do to help Austin get more shots? And so it's simple. Side out of bounds, seven seconds to go run a three-point, a three-point shooter, create a play, and let him get a three-point shot up at the end of the quarter. Run a couple plays that, you know, we're, we're blowing somebody out, call a timeout, run an underneath out of bounds, run a special play for little Johnny. Hmm. You know, Johnny's grandparents are coming into town. Let me know. Don't tell me after the grandparents are there. Give me a chance to help you as a parent, help your son, make the grandparents proud, 
Um, but what we're not going to do, and if you complained a second time, if you showed out, I would come to you later and say, hey, listen, man, you know what, Kevin, really, your family's amazing. You and your wife are great. And little Johnny, he's going to be something special someday. But I'm sorry we weren't able to provide enough for you folks as a family to where you appreciate the way we do things here at the Titans. It's not your fault. It's mine. So here's what I want to do. I want you to go ahead and, you know, collect all of Johnny's stuff. And uh, either I'll come by and get it myself or you can drop it off. I sure am glad you took the time to join. I'm going to wish you the best going forward on another team. So thank you very much, Kevin. Oh, wow. And now you can go and see what it's like to be a parent that has to drive to the games, pay for their hotels, pay for their meals. Nobody paid a dime. You couldn't buy a bottle of water on from the, I mean, we provided everything. We even had a snack bag. And I always used to kid Matthew Jones's dad because his nickname was Snack Bag. Because if you wanted to know where the snack bag was, Mark Jones had it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so now I'm curious. So my, my oldest stepson, he's, he's 16 now. Okay. Since he was five, he played competitive baseball. He was in competitive leagues, and mm-hmm. and I know how much that costs. I mean, those those tournaments were thousands of dollars each tournament yep. that, you know, the team had to come up with and we did Our fundraisers equipment. and all that and equipment. And yeah. It, it was absolutely insane. So I'm curious with a team like that, where they have full-time staff and provide all this stuff, what does it take for a child to make that team and get on that team? He's got, a, here's some, here's, I'm glad, that's a great question. Okay, because a lot of times you think he just needs to be great, and that's not it. And he does need to be really good. Okay, his parents have to fit in. Mm -hmm. All right, Um, he's got to be coachable. It's got to be a a family because we're going to spend a lot of time together. So it's it's you know we're talking about you have to be a good human being. There's you know you'll never pay for a pair of shoes. Matter of fact, you might get five different pairs of shoes. Um, you might have three different sets of uniforms. You're, you're gonna, we're gonna have the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but here's an example. Let's say you, you've been on our team for three years. Okay. Okay. Your son's doing a good job. And somebody else comes up and says, you know what? Uh, I'd love to play second base. My son's a second baseman. Your son's a second baseman. And we, we'd like to join the Titans and, and, you know, we don't know if you have any spots, but my son's a second baseman. He's really good. If he's as good as your son or even a little bit better than your son, there's absolutely no chance that we're going to take him and add him to our program. I mean, here's a classic example. I'll never forget it. Mickey Mitchell, if anybody ever wants to watch a great YouTube video, go to YouTube and type in Mickey Mitchell basketball. Texas Titans. Mickey Mitchell is, to me, the greatest youth basketball winner I've ever coached in my life. Um, So he beats us in the fifth grade in the national championship. We lose to them by two, or not by two, they beat us. Okay. So uh, his father, I didn't know this. I didn't know who he was, sends me an email. Says, hey, congratulations, coach. You have an outstanding organization Blah, 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 blah. Ken. I don't know who Ken is. I get a lot of those. So thank you very much. God bless. A couple weeks later, I get another one. And hey, is there any way that uh, I would like to be able to talk to Kenny Trout? Can you send me his number? I get a lot of those. Mm -hmm. Because he's a billionaire. Everybody wants to talk to him. Third one goes, hey, listen, coach. um, uh, If you don't mind, could you call me? In the next day or so, here's my number. I want to talk to you. So I go to Bible study at where Kenny's office is, Mount Vernon Investments. And I said to Larry Novak, now Larry Novak since passed and may rest in peace, one of God's greatest men that he's ever created in the world. Hmm. And I said to Larry, I said, Larry, what's the name of the guy that we hire to bring in the speakers? And... Um, I go, I got an email from a guy named Ken. He goes, oh, no. 
He goes, what's the area code? I said, it's 407. And he goes, what's his name? I said, it's Ken Mitchell. He goes, oh, that's uh, Mickey Mitchell's dad. I go, who's Mickey Mitchell? He goes, the big kid from the Florida Flyers. I didn't know his name. I just called him the big kid from the Florida Flyers. Yeah. And I go, I go, I wonder what he wants. And Larry goes, hell, he probably wants to come play on the Titans. And we laughed. So he said, call him and find out. Ken goes, we want our son to play on the Texas Titans. I said, Ken, of all the kids in the country, your, your son's the one that doesn't need us. He doesn't need anybody, actually. He is the best. Yeah. And I said, Ken, don't you think it would sound too good to be true that Mickey Mitchell comes and joins the Texas Titans? And he's telling me all these things. He said, you don't understand how hard it is to be a parent of Mickey Mitchell and how the other teams and the older kids treat him so poorly because he's so good and all these things. And he said, what's wrong with, with something being too good to be true? If it is, what's wrong with it? And he said, I said, you know, give me a day. So I go tell Kenny Trout. Kenny says, we don't have a spot. And he said, you know what, though, if they want to come in, we're not going to let them drive from Florida because he wanted to come in that weekend and drive. Oh, wow. Texas. And Kenny goes, no, tell them we'll fly him in next Wednesday and they can stay Wednesday night and go home Thursday. And so Mickey comes in and he brings his brother, Mike, and, and Ken comes in. Great people. Love him. Mickey Mitchell's like my son. I, I was his guardian for a long time. People don't know that. And the guardian. And, um, you know, I mean, he's amazing. He, he's playing pickup with the pat youth, the associate pastor at Prestonwood and the adults. And the pastor goes, you know, are you going to get in trouble for bringing all these kids into Prestonwood? And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, well, what is he, a junior or a senior? I said, he's in the sixth grade. He goes, what? I go, yeah, he's in the sixth grade. And he goes, really? I said, yeah. So anyway, make a long story short, Kenny says, you know what, we're not going to do it. Here's why. With three players, and back in those days in AU, you could have three great exceptions. We had Kenny's son, Wes Grandstaff's son, Austin, and Shane Massimo, David, David Massimo's son. And Kenny said, you know what, I'm not going to take any one of those boys off our team. Now, understand, this kid is the best kid in America. There's not a close second. So we tell him, no, fly him back home. And the, the Massimos found out that Mickey was there and just thought that they were going to get removed from the team. And so they quit. And I even told Dave, I said, Dave, you're surrendering too soon. Kenny's not going to make a change. He goes, nope, we're out. Open the door for Mickey Mitchell. We won the sixth grade national championship, the seventh grade national championship, the eighth grade national championship, lose the ninth grade national championship by two to the guy that plays for uh, uh, Utah, Donovan Mitchell. And then the next week, win the 16 and under national championship at the Peach Sham for Nike with a 15 and under team. Wow. But it, it, your, your family would have to fit in. Mm -hmm. If you, your family didn't fit in, if you didn't fit in, you wouldn't, you weren't going to be a Titan long. Well, and, and that's another question I have actually, I'm okay. sure the, the list of people that want their kid to play is, you know, pages and pages long. Yes. What would the, like, what, what is the cost to have your kid on that team for a season? It's free. You don't, really? you, you don't, you can't pay for your hotel room. You don't, wow. it's all, everything is free. You just have to be committed. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, you, 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 you can't, you don't miss practice. You don't miss games. You don't say we're going on vacation. No, it's a commitment. But what you want to do is teach kids about commitment, right? And so that's part of it. And, you know, if you didn't want to follow in line there, there was a long list of elite level players that would replace you. Wow. Yeah. And so 
because I'm the coach of the Texas Titans, Avery Johnson, who used to be the Mavericks coach and was the NBA coach of the year one year, he's the coach of the Nets, calls me up and um, says, I want to talk to you. And I said, so I meet him. I said, what's up? Now, he had let me fly up, hang out with the Nets for five days, you know, go to their practices, go to the watch, the, you know, have the on the floor passes, you know, when the Knicks or when the Nets played at the Knicks, when Jeremy Lin had the Jeremy Lin game where it was Jeremy, his breakout game that was against the Nets. Yeah. I was there. Wow. And um, Avery goes, I need a favor. I want my son to play on the Titans. And he says, I don't care if he gets five minutes a game. I want him to be on the Titans. And it just so worked out that Kenny's son, who was our starting point guard on that team, and, and, and Matthew Merrick, who was Nick Merrick's son, our starting two guard, they both got hurt. Matthew was also a really, really good quarterback, he ended up signing a scholarship to the University of Texas to play quarterback. Okay. And um, so Avery gets to play on the Titans, Avery Jr. And yeah. Avery would come into practice and help and was amazing, right? Um, and Avery said, you know, when, when I get a job somewhere, I'm going to take you with me. He gets the job at Alabama and I'll never forget this. I, you know, I wanted to go to the NBA. Yeah. You know, cause I told him you don't have to compete against math and science and you don't compete against cheaters, you know, cause you, you know, you think you're Avery Johnson and you are, but if someone comes in and off, off offers the guy that's handling this kid that you think loves you, you know, $20,000, he's not coming to Alabama. He'll still love you, but he's going, he's going to go wherever that money is. And that happened. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, Avery gets a job at Alabama and does not take me with me and take me with him. Initially, he says to me, he calls me up and he says, listen, right now my hands are tied. And I was being, you know, I was, I was like, man, dude, you told me. I didn't, yeah. I'm saying this to myself. You know, I took care of your son. I put him on the Titans. I did everything you wanted me to do. And he says, right now my hands are tied. So time goes by. And I mean, I'll never forget this. I'm at the Mac. It's a little small gymnasium. It's a, a Sunday afternoon and we're playing in the Mac. And I'm coaching the youngest Titans, Kate Cunningham's team. And I'm watching, I think, the Division II National Championship game on TV or whatever it is in between our games, and I'm so upset. And I go outside, and I take my phone, and I call Avery up, and I said, listen, I want you to be the best. I want you to do the best. I'm pulling for you. You don't have to worry about me. I know I got selfish. So I just want you to know that don't worry about me. I'm good. I'm great being the coach of the Titans. All the best to you, and good luck at Alabama. Hang up. My conscience is good. I feel good. And then one day Avery calls me up and says, hey, you want to have breakfast? I'm in town. I said, sure. So he says, hey, listen, there's a chance. Comes back in town the next week. We meet at the original pancake house. All right, here's the deal. I think I think we have an opportunity. I want to bring you and your wife up, and I want to uh, – you got to get interviewed by Bill Battle because your wife needs to come. This is a business where – you know, they, they want married couples and all that kind of stuff. And I said, great. So we went up there and uh, we interviewed. And, um, you know, I got to meet the staff that was up there and stuff like that. And then we flew back, you know, drove to Birmingham late, flew back late into Dallas at night. It was funny because Julius Randall's mom was in the airport too. And so we ran into her just in, going through the airport. And I'll never forget this. Um, the phone rings. It's Avery. And he says, hey, coach, how you doing? I said, man, I'm good. I'm good. And he says, uh, I said, well, how'd everything go? And he says, well, and you hear his wife, Cassandra and Avery Jr. And they all go, welcome to Alabama. Roll Tide. Oh, wow. You know, it, that, that's kind of an epic thing. It's for oh, a guy, yeah. especially as you get older. I mean, because there are people that have grown up and lived and loved Alabama more than life itself. And here's this guy 
that gets a shot. And, and again, it's because of relationships. Now I'm there for a year. I get fired. Um, but I didn't get fired cause I didn't do a good job. I did a good job. The, the, the coach that they wanted Avery to originally hire, uh, is John Pelfrey. And John used to be a, a head coach at Arkansas and they originally wanted Avery to hire a, a former head coach in the SEC. So they fired me and it was the hardest thing I ever went through as an adult, Kevin. Um, you know, you, uh, you know, that's, it wasn't, it wasn't like life or death, but it felt mm -hmm. like it. Yeah. And I'll never, I mean, think about this when I have to, I, you know, I mean, I, I find out I'm going to get fired. I'll never forget it. Um, I go to bed with the TV on and I wake up at one twenty-one in the morning and on the TV is the movie up in the air with George Clooney mm -hmm. and, uh, Anna Kendrick and they fly mm -hmm. around the country firing people. And I said, wow, why do I feel like that's real? <laughs> and my phone vibrates the next morning, get a text message from Avery at 702. And it says, meet me at the broken egg. Let's talk recruiting. I knew I was getting fired. Never said one word to me about firing me. And um, I get there early. It's up on the second floor. He gets out of his car. I see him. I'm like, hey, coach, what's up? And he looks at me and puts his head down. I get fired. You know, he just says, hey, listen, I'm not going to renew your contract. And I said to him, do you think if your son had one more year on the Titans, you think I'd cut him? You'd go, no, you wouldn't. I know you wouldn't. But that's not business. But really, it is. Yeah. It is. And uh, I think I shook his hand. I said, you're firing the wrong guy. Walked out the door. And I, I, I you know, I mean, you know, I, I, it's like, what do you do? I don't even know what to think. Right. And I wasn't going to tell my wife. And uh, so I was trying to think of, of something I could say. And my phone rings and it was her. And it was really ironic. And she goes, hey, did you go get a chance to look at that house yesterday? And I said, no, honey, we're not going to have to worry about that house. She goes, oh, did it sell? And I said, mm -hmm. no, I got fired. And uh, my daughter, Molly, had got accepted two weeks before that to come to Alabama as a student. And she was going to live with me. And, um, well, she's going to live on campus, whatever. And, um, you know, that was that was a rough patch, you know. And so, but here's the great things about relationships. A kid, I'd only kicked off two kids ever as a college coach. And when I got fired the next week, one of them calls me up. His name is Jeff Jones. And he says, coach, I need you to come uh, be my CEO and help me run my company. I kicked him off the team and um, he reaches out to me. And I'm like, I go, Jeff, I don't know anything about cars, the car business. He said, he said, either, you know what? He said, coach, the last guy did, but he stole from me. I know you won't steal from me. I'll teach you. Don't worry. So I can't get a job coaching. So I go to work as a CEO for him. And another one of my players calls me and he's the fourth guy on Mount Rushmore's name is Annie McWilliams. Okay. And it says, I'm launching a company. Why don't you come help me build? Come back home to Dallas. And, uh, you know, I was going through a divorce at the time. I get home. I'm living in my house for about a week. And I'm like, it's not working. So I literally go get a U-Haul. And I call Andy up at like 1030 in the morning. I said, hey, listen, bud, I'm moving out of my house. And I got a U-Haul and I need someone to help me. He goes, I'm on the way. And my neighbor comes across, I'll never forget it. Good guy. And he says, coach, man, what are you doing? Where are you going? I said, I'm just taking stuff to storage. You know, what do you tell somebody? Right. And uh, so we loaded up the, loaded it up, moved it out, moved into a, a little thousand square foot, two bedroom apartment um, with a green couch. And you know, I, I went through a period where I lost my job, my dad, my marriage, and my father had gotten really sick. And so I lose three things, my job, my dad, my marriage. And one of my daughters gets hurt. And I'm, I'm like, 
it's a shit show. And, yeah. you know, you always, you know, you talk about people that get depressed. Okay. And they don't want to find their way. I, uh, I said to myself one morning, I said, you know what? I'm not going to be that dad. I'm, I'm, my kids have always been proud of me. And now that I've gone through a divorce, their, their mother had moved back uh, to Maryland. I'm what they had. And so, yeah. you know, I made a decision that I was going to be the best uh, dad, best, you know, provider. So Andy McWilliams owns a company called Revital U. It's a health and wellness company. I didn't know anything about it, but I trusted him with my life. Um, he said, coach, come here, I'm going to help you. Let's go do this. And, you know, I struggled like everybody else in the beginning, but when I realized that, you know, what choices did I have? You know, most people that don't have choices fail because they won't do anything about it. The first year I made $233,000 doing it. The next year I made $864,000 doing it. Wow. And, um, I'm good at taking people that, need to make extra money, get their life back together. I can coach them and teach them and help them. And, and, and that's what I did. And it's, you know, it's been life changing uh, for my family. And, you know, I get asked a lot, do I miss coaching? I coach a different game today, Kevin. You know, I, I take people and their families and, and, you know, whether it's making enough money to make their car payment or their insurance payment or, you know, their rent, their mortgage, whatever it is. I'm really good at taking people and helping them and nobody outworks me. You know, I like to fish too. I like to play golf too. I just don't go do it. Right. You know, because I'm committed to the cause. My why, as they say, is intact. And, you know, I'm talking to a couple the other day and the, the mom is like, can you please help us? You know, I want to do this with you. Please help us. And so I'm talking to the husband and he's, in depression, been laid off for six months. He goes, yeah, I don't know if we want to do something like this. And the mom's going, they're going to come take our car, honey, if we don't do this. And he's like, you know, I just don't think this kind of stuff's good. And, you know, maybe we'll just, you know, he goes, you need to get a job to his wife. And, um, you know, it wasn't on my bucket list, but I got to tell you something, Kevin, what I do today, I, I, I don't know that I've loved anything more because wow. I get to help so many people. Just like coaching, you know how you can impact kids and you know when your son comes home and talks about, you know, his coach and his teachers, which ones he really likes and don't like. Right. You can look back on your life, Kevin, and know that you, you, there are teachers that you'll for love forever. I mean, just two months ago, I'm back in Florida and I'm visiting my little league football coach, Charlie Johnson. He was my coach when I was 13, wow. 14. Andy McWilliams is the fourth head on Mount Pospicle. I mean, and when you think about this, it's relationships. Yeah. You don't have to be the best to get the best jobs. You don't have to be the most qualified to get the best jobs. What you do is have to have strong relationships where they know that you're good, you're respectful, you'll work hard. Um, it's who you know. And as long as you'll, <clears throat> you know, people ask me all the time, what advice would you give a 20-year-old Scott Pospicle, a 30-year-old Scott Pospicle? Never be outworked. I made a post on TikTok. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's the one when I was at Alabama, when I was wearing the Alabama gear and I said, they fired me. Uh -huh. It's got 180,000 views on reels. It's got over a hundred. And it's really the one TikTok that kind of took my following. Once that happened, then all of a sudden we were having lives and, you know, we started out with five and 10 people on them. And the other night we had 1700 on the live. And, um, you, uh, you know, hard work and not making excuses. And I always say, you know, hard work's not talent. It's discipline. Right. There's never an excuse to be at work. And no, you ever heard anybody complain about people that are hard workers? No. They complain about the lazy people. 
Nick Saban mm-hmm. says his job at Alabama is to get the right people on the bus. The hardest working people don't like lazy people. Overachievers don't like underachievers. Right? He His job is to put the right people on the bus. And there's no room for people that are lazy, that are underachievers. They don't need to be a part of a championship team, a championship program, a championship business. And those things really matter. Yeah. So for the listeners out there, if they were interested in talking to you or someone like you uh, to get some help, how, how would they go about that? I mean, I have a, a website called coachscottp.com. Coachscottp.com. It's got a picture of what my house looked like last year. I, I got to change that picture of Christmas lights. And mm-hmm. I might change it to where I got a picture of Susie and myself on there. Um, but yeah, they just leave some information. Said, man, I'd like to talk to you. I get, when I did, I've done a few podcasts, Kevin, and, and um, uh, I got a phone call from a, a gentleman that's an AAU coach. And he listened to the podcast and he said, will you talk to me? Tell me how I'm, han- how do I handle my parents? Because, you know, it, you know, there's, there, there should be a book out, you know, like there is computer for dummies, no, you know, things like that. There needs to be coaching youth basketball or being a parent of a youth basketball or, you know, youth kid playing sports for dummies and to tell parents what to do and what not to do. Cause parents is, and they're so important because without parents, there's no youth sports. Most parents, uh, most coaches are youth are parents coaching. Um, but teaching a parent how to be the right kind of parent at a youth sports event is, is something that most parents don't understand. They're yelling at a referee that's making $25 a game coaching eight and under basketball. You know, he's not in the NBA. Right. The kids aren't in the NBA. You know, and being able, and I've fallen victim, understand, I've, I've yelled. You know, I've been kicked out of a game or two in my life, and um, I always look back at those days and said to myself, man, I wished I could have done better then. I wished I could have been the Titans coach today versus dating back to 2004, you know, or been a a junior college coach like I was for some of the most amazing players, because back then I was a little gruff. I was a little loud. I would yell and I was mean. And, And I realized you don't have to be mean. You just have to communicate. You have to teach. You know, one of the great things about Avery Johnson at Alabama is he, he wasn't a yeller. You know, he, our associate head coach, who wasn't a real nice guy, would get him fired up some, sometimes to yell. But Avery was great about it. if a kid made a mistake, he'd say, next play. Don't dwell on it. And then he'd go over and talk to him and fix it. But don't sit there and keep bringing it back up. It's kind of like, you know, when you do something wrong in a relationship, sometimes <clears throat> the wife can bring it up like a time or two or 10 or 12, three right. years later, five years later. Yeah. <laughs> Avery was great about not doing that. The toughest thing for Avery was the transition from the NBA to college and how the game was different. That's my opinion. Man, I could honestly, I could sit here and talk to you all night. I really could, (laughs) but I, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your precious time. And I honestly, it's such an honor to have you on here. And I, and I have a fast round that I like to do with my guests. They're just basic questions that, uh, you know, I like to ask just to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, um, so what is your favorite movie and your favorite TV show? Favorite movie was Miracle, the 1980 story of the Olympic hockey team. Um, yes. I've got a lot of favorites, but clearly, and I'm not a great hockey guy, but that movie, I think if I could teleport back in time, that would be the spot where I would go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, favorite TV show. I don't really have, I don't watch a lot of TV shows, but right now, um, I mean, Yellowstone happens to be at the forefront. If if it's on or I'll tape it, I'll pace when I watch it. And, um, you know, that's a pretty great movie, <laughs> TV show, Yellowstone. Yeah, I, I haven't started watching it, but I've heard nothing but great things. I watched it last year during, we call it, we had Snowmageddon here in Dallas where we had like, mm-hmm. you know, 18 days of below freezing and all that kind of stuff, intermittent heat, you know, in your house, go cold, go hot. And at 10 o'clock one morning, I turned on the TV and it was Yellowstone. I'm like, what the hell? 
I watched it from 10 in the morning till 10 that night. Oh, oh wow. Amazing. I mean, it's intense, but it's, it's, it's really, and I kept telling myself, I'll never watch that show. It's really good. <laughs> I'm definitely, it's on my list. That's for sure. Cause yeah. I hear nothing but good things and uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely from what I hear and understand it's sons of anarchy, but cowboy style. Like <laughs> that's what it's, it is. It's just, I mean, I can see it being like this though. Yeah. You know, I can see it being like this and you know, the characters they have in that show, Beth is, and then rip. I mean, it's just, I mean, you're like, everybody knows somebody like that, you know, and, and Kevin Costner, you know, I love Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner's been in oh, so yeah. many great movies and sports movies. And, you know, he's Kevin Costner. Right. You know, he's, he's Kevin Costner. So, you know, Field of Dreams, let's go. Right. Old Durham. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so now what is your favorite restaurant? Um, I believe I make the best steaks. Okay. And I have an air fryer too that makes great chicken. Um, yeah. But if I was going to go eat it, a, 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 my favorite place would probably be here in Texas is a, is a restaurant called Perry's Steakhouse. And it's not for their steak. It's their pork chop. Okay. It's, it's like the size of a Volkswagen, but it's the greatest piece of meat you'll ever eat in your life. I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable how you can't eat it all. I don't care how good of an eater you are. You need, you, you know, you're going to take some home with you. But Perry's Steakhouse, a little expensive, but it's really, yeah. really good. Yeah, I actually went to Perry's uh, when I, I went down to Texas to do some training over in uh, Midland. Okay. And uh, and they have a Perry's over there, and the instructor took us all uh, for a lunch one day, and it was amazing. It yeah. <laughs> it was a it was good food. <laughs> it is. They're they're uh, they're uh, steak is or their pork chops amazing uh what is your most commonly used emoji um the prayer okay and i think because so many people ask for prayer or are going through tough times so it's always the one i always realize that it's the top one on the left side of my phone it's the prayer (laughs) I mean, I use the okay. high five, I use the fist, you know, things like that, but prayer for sure. The, this question uh, is specific to you. I haven't asked anybody else this question. Okay. Who do you want to see win the Super Bowl this year? Well, all my teams aren't in it, but I'm pulling for, <laughs> I'm pulling for the Rams right now. Yes, because, me too. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the quarterback right now for the Rams, you know, he, he served a, a, a long time tough sentence playing for Detroit. Oh yeah. And, and so, and plus he's from Dallas played at Highland park. And yeah, so I'm definitely, I'm pulling for the Rams. Yeah. Matt Stafford. uh, I I feel like people were really let down by him, but then when he got traded and had a team behind him, he really shows who he is and he's incredible. He is absolutely incredible. And And he's, he's playing quarterback the last few years with his wife not knowing whether she's going to live or die, you know, horrible, horrible fight for her life. And, you know, when, when you see things like that, you know, you can't help, but, but, you know, pull for people to to, to do better. So that's kind of where I am with Matt Stafford. I'm, I'm definitely, definitely pulling. Uh, Now, did I want the Packers and the Cowboys and yeah. Did I want Alabama to beat Georgia? Yeah. But I haven't been very lucky lately. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, my only other thing is uh, I'm a Denver Broncos fan, and I was a huge – I am a huge Von Miller fan. Mm-hmm. And now that he went to the Rams, I would I think he deserves to win another Super Bowl. Isn't that amazing, amazing how they can get rid of him, breaks his heart, literally takes the heart out of his chest and mm-hmm. sends him to the Rams. Um, but Von Miller's a winner. He is. He's a winner. And – I would I would be happy for that reason as well. That's a that's a great point right there, Kevin. Yep, and he also played in Texas. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then finally, uh, who is your favorite TikTok creator? You know, that's a really good question. Um, 
you know, I don't know that I have one. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, a lady by the name of Bridget, and she's not a very big lady, um, but, and she's, this is going to sound weird, she's a tarot card reader, but she's just a really cool lady. And she says good things. Her things are never long. And she just is very likable. And so, um, and then Mac Herford is a kid that played at Alabama years ago. And Mac's got great TikToks. Of course, you know, being an Alabama fan. So I'd say Bridget, Mac Herford. And um, yeah, um, that's probably, those are, you know, I like a lot of people's stuff. Mm-hmm. But those two probably, I'm normally always going to comment or I'm always going to like. And then, you know, I love the food recipes. <laughs> yeah. I do. I mean, let's face it, man. You get some incredible recipes off TikTok. TikTok. Oh. TikTok. <laughs> yes, I love that you've uh, you've come up with that little catchphrase as well that you use on all of your, your content. Most of the that. time, you know, and, and, and somebody goes, why do you do that? I go. I just did it, but I guess it's, you know, some people, th- a lot of people think it's okay. Scott, you have been absolutely amazing. And I mean, coach, you know, I'm going to call you coach. I'm not even, yeah. I'm going to call you coach. <laughs> and it, this has been such an honor. It really has. And I, like I said earlier, I could literally sit here and talk to you all night and just listen to the stories that you have. And it's absolutely incredible. The journey that you have been given the opportunity to do what you've done and it's incredible you've you've lived most people's dreams you know and uh it's it's just been such an honor and i really appreciate you coming on and having a chat with me it means so much to me bless for sure thank you kevin kevin the invite is a lot thank you so much i'll I'll do this anytime and i got a daughter that lives in denver and she's thinking about trying to start a podcast you might have to give her a little help Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to help. All right. All right. Well, thank you, sir. And uh, I hope you enjoy your evening and uh, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, sir. Take care. Talking with Kevin Hughes. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Coach Scott Pospicle. I mean, seriously, have you ever heard somebody with so many amazing stories? Not only amazing stories, but one of a kind. I mean, you can hear a thousand stories about going to Disneyland, but you have never heard about someone coaching pretty much a little league basketball team. Of course, they were elite, but flying first class or private, um, having a full staff, crazy expensive dinners, hotels, first class everything, and just everything he's gotten to do. And then on top of that, being the assistant coach for Alabama's team, gosh, he was absolutely amazing. What an incredible storyteller. What an incredible life that he's had. And he just continues to do it. I was so happy and humbled to have him on the show. And, you know, as you noticed, I didn't have to say much. He talked the entire time, which was absolutely fantastic because I could just sit there and listen. I would, yeah, that that was so amazing. I really hope you guys enjoyed that episode. It was, uh, yeah, freaking awesome. And as always, you guys stayed till the end. You guys are the ones I love. I say it every week. Thank you for tuning in. And if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I'm Kevin Hughes. This is TikToking with me, Kevin Hughes. See you next time. Bye-bye now.